Welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. We are live in person. I don't think I've actually ever done a live in person. So thank you for being my first. Oh, I'm, no worries. <laughs> I'm here with Lee Dundas, and she is just a powerhouse, absolutely brilliant. I feel like, you know, the I call them the parasite class, the anti-human crowd. They they like to cast spells with words, and I I'm convinced that if there is somebody who can cast spells with words for good, it is in fact Lee Dundas. <laughs> so I am very glad that you are on our team, Team Human, <laughs> team, team Freedom, yeah, right? right? Yeah. So how are you today? I'm great. It's an honor to be here. I'm uh, trying to get my voice back after you know screaming <laughs> on the Clay Clark stage uh, yes. all weekend, and to all the fans. So uh, other than sounding like you know I've smoked five packs of cigarettes this morning, I'm good. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah, so we're at the Reawaken America Tour. So you just wrote this book that I am yeah. super excited to get and read. It's just stand up. Yeah. So what what, made, what compelled you to write it, and what is the backbone behind it? Uh, Clay Clark, you know, he can okay. be a persistent sort. So he's like, Lee, if you're going to be on the speaking circuit, and you got to have a book. It's just the thing. You speak, you have a book. You speak, you have a book. I, uh, you speak, and your fans want some piece of you, and this is something they can take home and read and learn about you. And you know, it, it's just a, it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. It like they understand you more, they follow you more. I write a book, write a book, and you know he's very persistent. And yeah. I was like, uh, don't have time, busy fighting for freedom, a convoy. <laughs> you know, barely have time to like get my hair done every morning before I go out on the road with convoys and nationwide walkouts, and you know, making TV commercials to keep the vaccine passport system out of Orange County with the Holocaust survivor TV ad. But I finally, um, like it's actually twelve months ago, almost to the day. So. First week of October, we had been in Sacramento last year fighting AB 2098, which was outlawing, trying to outlaw free speech of doctors to, you know, if they if they went off script, off the COVID narrative script, they could actually like have it lose their licenses and be criminally yeah. prosecuted or whatever. So we were up there in front of the west steps of the Capitol where we'd been a million times fighting yeah. over the last few years. And... Um, you know, the sky looked like a tic-tac-toe and, uh, you know, weird homeless guys were walking through the backstage area of our press area where, you know, my backpack was sitting and I came home with a cold, go figure. And, uh, and it was not a major cold. I mean, I was a little under the weather and yeah. I thought, well, I have a week, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm going to just start writing this book. I've, I've been thinking about it for a while, courtesy of Clay Clark. And so eight days later, I had a 399-page book. Whoa. <laughs> I do type 120 words a minute. I am a lawyer, you know. And wow. uh, I just sat down 7 a.m. every morning and was still typing right before midnight. I was just on fire. And um, when I get going, you know, I can yeah. I can write. But I had never really written a book. I, I, yeah. I was a lawyer. I wrote legal briefs or speeches. or sure. I never just sat and, like, written. Right, right, right. But um, I had a lot to say. So, um and I wanted to make it not just about the human trafficking work I had done, which is sort of depressing. Yeah. Um, even in the depressing stories, I tried to leave people on a high note with the lesson for the takeaway. Yeah. Um, but I also threw in some, you know, exciting chapters about the 1987 earthquake where I ran outside the house naked because I thought it was World War III and I was going <laughs> to die. So, um, or the time that a ginormous cockroach and I had a stare-off contest in a in a room had at a brothel. Had a more porn show, you, you know. know? <laughs> I mean, I really people. I, I gave this to, to, just in my own defense. I gave it to my daughter as she was going into a nail appointment, and I said, "Hey, flip to the back. Just read the acknowledgments because I give you an acknowledgement, baby, for like sharing mommy with the freedom fighters, you know, for the last few years." And and I, I really tried to do you right and, and give you props. 
So she comes out of the nail appointment an hour later. This is, you know, like a, six months ago now. And she's like, I go, you know, what'd you think of the acknowledgement section? And she goes, oh, I didn't read that. I just started at like, you know, chapter one. Did you know, mom, you're really funny? Like I was laughing so hard. I, I, the, the nail lady had to tell me to put the book down because my other hand was shaking and she couldn't paint my nails. <laughs> and my mom was there with her. It had been a grandma baby day. And I look at my mom like, and my, my mom's like, you know, kids don't lie. Like they never sing your praises at age 18. She's like, she's telling the truth. Like the lady had to tell her to put the book down. So uh, General Michael Flynn wrote the foreword. Um, I've heard from a number of people like, hey, we didn't know you were this funny. So I tried to make it, you know, heart-wrenching, mm-hmm. you know, action-inspiring and and light and fluffy in places too. And I, I think I might've hit the right note, but buy the book and let me know because yeah. <laughs> I need feedback, so... That is awesome. Well, I, I'm inspired because I, I have been told, in fact, two publishers actually offered to, you know, take my book. And I'm like, I don't have one. So I, I guess I, I, I need to get moving on that. I don't yeah. know that I could do uh, 390 pages, yeah. 98 pages in uh, a week. But. You know, it, apparently the <laughs> ideal thing is about half that, like 100 and something pages. So yeah. just catch a cold, even if you're only 50% as fast on the writing, like you'll still, it'll be a better book. More people buy. People are scared by mine. They're like, oh, it's kind of big. I'm like, look, it's not the real Anthony Fauci. And it's not yeah. like doing your physics homework. Like it's <laughs> it's toilet reading in the bathroom, people. Like it's, you could be at a coffee shop. You don't need to put your thinking cap on. Just I, don't be in a nail salon. Yeah, just don't be in a nail salon. Yeah. <laughs> if you're on a funny chapter in the nail salon, you might have a problem with your nail lady, but yeah, but otherwise, well, yeah. that is awesome. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts about that? So human trafficking is something you've personally worked a lot on and uh, a lawyer, and it's something that is coming to the forefront a it lot is. today. Uh, and it, I, I would, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Like just, um, I think it's good that it's coming to the forefront because right. it was always a problem. It was just sure. a hidden problem and you can't fix problems you don't know about. So sure. <laughs> the answer for every evil in society is shine a light on it. You know, yeah. take the stage lighting, shine a light on it, right? Yes. So so as Sound of Freedom, I mean, I know people have differing views, especially sure. in our community. Yeah. Um, the one thing that from the haters to the lovers, you cannot deny is, at, at least from my perspective, because I've been in the fight for 10 years now. Right. Um, there are way more people talking about human trafficking in the last few months than there ever were before. Yes. So it raised the awareness. Um, think what you will about who did it and what their motivations were. It raised the awareness, and that's a good. That alone is a good thing. And you know, I've heard some of the criticisms about maybe like, oh, they didn't take the survivor uh, story into account. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, Tim Ballard never said he was doing that. It was written from the perspective of somebody who goes into the brothels and rescues children. And we all know you cannot tell a story whether it's in a book or in a movie from every single person's different perspective, you'd be in the theater for like 15 hours. It's just impossible. So it never pretended to be something that it wasn't from my viewpoint. I went and saw the movie on the 4th of July with my daughter and her boyfriend who were not as awake. I mean, obviously she hears me talking about it a lot, (laughs) but it's not like I've ever taken her into a brothel in Asia with me, right? So, um, and they they were very moved by it and it it really inspired her even though she has a mom who does the work to get to know more about it she was posting about it on social media which she had never done before wow. and she was taking heat and she she looked at me and she just correct me if i'm wrong but pretty much the only people who would be against learning and fighting human trafficking would be the pedophiles right like and and i'm like to some degree yes i mean i get that people have different views on the producer and and sure. you are but if they're being being like, oh, you need to stop talking about human trafficking because 
because you need to stop. Like, what do you? The, the first question is, what are you hiding? Are you one right. of them? Are exactly. you a trafficker? Are you a buyer? Because otherwise, you should be thankful and grateful that there is a, a renewed amount of attention on this, and, and mothers and fathers everywhere rising up and going, how can I get involved to help? You right. Know? It's a huge industry. $150 billion a year, 40 million people currently enslaved. That's like everybody in your former state, in my current state of California, waking up in chains, chained to a bed, being raped 10 times a night by, by sex buyers. I mean, that is, we have 40 million people in Cali. The worldwide, that's how many people are enslaved. It would be like every single Californian being enslaved in a, in a mine in Africa, making, you know, metal for your Tesla battery or your phone or being raped. And that is just wrong. And that is a, a huge industry. It's the fastest growing crime in the world. Yeah. It's going to take over drugs for the top criminal economy inside the next few years because yeah. there's a lot more profit in selling children for sex than there is in selling cocaine because once you sell your coke, it's gone. Right. So the bad guy has to go buy more to sell more. But once you sell a seven-year-old, she's not gone. Not until she dies and you have to get another one. And the average length of that take, time that that takes is seven years, according to the FBI. Kids are first turned out around 11 or 12 in America. And it's a seven-year life expectancy, death by AIDS, death by John, death by pimp, violence, you know, in the hands of the sex seller, sex buyer, or they catch an STD that kills them. And uh, and so they're dead or dying by the time they can legally vote. It's a, it's a very sad thing. But from the perspective of the commercial economics of it, yeah, you're hitting pay dirt because it is 100% profit margin. The only hard cost you have as a pimp is a happy meal a day. Once a day is about what, what they feed them, keep them skinny, and why spend more money on food than you have to? Or a half cup of rice if you're in Asia. And here in America, maybe you've got a, a travel lodge room, you know, 30, 40, 50 bucks a night that you sick eight, nine, 10 girls. And in Asia, you're, they're living in a Quonset hut. There is no overhead cost shelter wise that way. So it's basically a little bit of food cost. So if you're selling the girl for 100 bucks, your profit margins may be 95, 96, I mean, nine percent, right? Yeah. Versus cocaine, where maybe it's a 60 or 70% profit margin because you have to take some of the money you make and go resupply your cash every night, your store of, of, of drugs. So I hate to say it, but the traffickers of the world are smart. They look at running, running opiates. They look at you know the golden poppy region. They look at running illegal weapons out of the Mideast. And they look at running a girl. And they're like, well, I can make 60, 70% over here. With the girls, I can make 95% and keep it. I'll sell girls. That's why it's the fastest growing crime in the world. Profit. Right. Profit driven. That is, it, it, that, it's just like unfathomable. It you is. You can think about it's it. Crazy. I mean, that it's, it's so tragic. That's the driver. That and no offense, men. And I say yeah. men and everybody's like, oh, let's be like egalitarian now and inclusive. Yeah, even yeah. on Yes, boys can be victims. And yes, women can sex traffic. Right. Elaine Maxwell, Epstein's girlfriend. Sure. Why do you at, at our age have a submarine license? Why do you? <laughs> right. Why do you need a submarine in the Caribbean? Think about it, guys. Okay. Right. <laughs> so I'm not saying that women can't traffic and boys mm -hmm. can't, especially boys can be victimized. Yeah. One in three girls before they reach the age of 18 have been sexually assaulted or abused in America and one in five men. Next time you're at your church on a Sunday, if you're at church right now, go back in and start counting heads and go one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. Every fifth guy, every third girl has been sexually violated. And that are that's horrible odds. That's not to say they were sex trafficked. It might have just been rape or sexual abuse. And I don't I don't mean just, but without the profit-driven motive of it, right? right. And without um, the perpetual repeat. Without hopefully without the perpetual right. repeat, right? It can be, but it's the and not it's, the same as it's with the trafficking. equally bad, except that hopefully it's not as repetitive. Right. But 
but I mean, and those are, those are bad odds, but by and large, the men are buying, the men are buying and the men are uh, selling. And, um, as much as you want to demonize the, the traffickers, these guys would be selling cocaine again if there weren't a line of men out the hotel room door waiting to buy a seven-year-old for sex. So part of the answer is handling the poverty that drives this, both in inner cities here, but especially in Asia where I work. You get parents selling their kids to brothels, not because they're bad parents, but because if they don't, their kid will die this year from starvation. So that's what's driving it. They sell one kid and they save all of them. Well, that kid's in a brothel, but at least they're alive and all eight of the other siblings are still alive too. So that's the hard reality of it. Wow. They don't want to do that. They're forced to because otherwise they're going to they're gonna die. But if there were nobody buying, we'd have no problem. Okay. So to fix sex trafficking, you need to fix the demand and mm -hmm. you need to educate your children, boys and girls, but especially boys, you don't buy people. For any purposes, but especially for sex. Right. And we need to stiffen the penalties like Sweden did. You buy a, a girl of any age mm -hmm. in, in Sweden, they have a 51% female-led legislature. And I don't know, a decade and a half ago, maybe more, they made buying people for sex the equivalent of a U.S. felony and the selling. So yeah. you go to jail for seven hard years. Guess what that did to the incidence of trafficking in Sweden overnight? It dropped that stat like a right. rock. Everybody's yeah. reactions. Imagine uh, that. Yeah, the pimps and the buyers like, yo, dude, let's go to Amsterdam where we can do it all night long and pay no pay no consequence for it, right? right? So, so we need to stiffen penalties, and that was why I was very honored when con uh, Congressman Ed Royce, who was at the time the head of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, he um, he came to me in 2013 and he said, "Will you be part of my new congressional committee to fight um, human slavery, human trafficking worldwide?" Yeah. And I said, "Well, what are we going to be doing?" I mean, of course, like you know, hello, <laughs> Congressman asked you to sit on his congressional committee, and you say yes. But I said yes, but I'm curious, what will we be doing? And he said, "We're going to be um, drafting legislation that stiffens penalties right. and training law enforcement to arrest." not the victim of the crime because they used to arrest the child prostitute. Hello, there is no such thing as a child prostitute. You can't consent to sex. You can't be prostituting. Okay. You're a victim. You're a repeat rape victim. These girls are. But up until recently, and, I, and even now in many states, they have a vice squad. What do the cops do? They go arrest the girl. What? So yeah. The, the girl, victim? Yeah. That's what vice squads are. They go arrest the prostitute who maybe she's over 18, maybe she's under 18, but most of those over 18 and are doing do it because they were child Do they get re-trafficked? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, and you have a when criminal record. So you get arrested for the crime of having a guy making money off your uh, off your back literally every night. He's he's making hundreds of thousands of dollars tax-free a week if he's running eight, nine, 10 girls and selling them 10 times a night. They're making six digits a week Okay, tax-free because they're not paying taxes on the criminal proceeds and they're not getting arrested nor is the guy sitting over there buying the girl they're arresting the girl she's not even out there willingly but that's what the vice squads did and orange county where i live and nearby where you used to, you used to live you were yeah. in santa monica right down the road we were one of the very first counties if not the first in the early aughts to make a, a to take the vice squad of anaheim pd and flip it to becoming the human trafficking task force. And now it is a broad cross-section of, we got Irvine PD, Newport, Huntington, they all send one or two officers a month. It's a cross-section of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And Orange County was the very first to have a sex trafficking prosecution, a vertical prosecution unit. They don't do rape and child abuse. Mm -hmm. They're not even borrowed from that unit. That's its own vertical unit. This is two and a half guys 
It used to be just two prosecutors. Now it's almost up to three prosecutors. All they do, all they do are sex trafficking cases. 100% of the day, that's all they do. When they go to court, when they put these bad guys away. And faith leaders, moms, dads, we've got Jewish, we've got Scientologists, we we don't have Satanists, we have Christians, we have Catholics, we have, uh, you know, I mean, Islamic leaders. And once a month, we all get in a room and uh, we play nicely together on how are we going to solve this absolute evil that is plaguing humanity and yeah. on the rise. And uh, we're doing a damn fine job of it in Orange County. Literally, when you arrest some of these pimps, they're like, yo, man, uh, don't be selling your girls. Stay in Arizona. Don't go from Phoenix down here. You know, they will put you away for 10 years. I mean, that is, those are the jailhouse conversation. conversations that they recording. They are telling people like Sweden, uh, stay out of here because you'll do hard time. And now we're exporting that to other communities and Great. saying, this is how you do it. In Nebraska. Yeah, Texas, Nebraska, Iowa, you want to crack down on this? This is the workable hamster wheel that you need to replicate. That's that's amazing. Yeah. That that's phenomenal that you're seeing that kind of uh, those kind of uh, results. yeah results yeah. happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on? Uh, we were talking a little bit before about Ultra. What are your thoughts on? And you mentioned mm-hmm. the you know some of the concerns some of the people may have about the sound of freedom. This, this is not an attack on it. I'm just no saying no. People I'm, have ma- raised concerns. So, yeah. but I am curious because you also said that you know men or boys are much less likely to be trafficked. However, would you know that uh, you know in some of the uh, we, we have some declassified documentation to yes. indicate this. We have some leaks from what you might call secret whistle societies, blowers, whistleblowers, yeah. um, that do indicate they use that more for uh, blackmail purposes um, and trauma-based mind control, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what, what do you know about that? What are your thoughts on that? You know, there's so many things that sound, ooh, crazy conspiracy theory kind of thing. Sure. And then you jump into it and you realize, oh, no, this really happens. So um, if... If your listeners are not familiar with MKUltra, um, actual real thing, Operation Mockingbird, actual real thing, Operation Project Midnight Climax as part of MKUltra, real thing. This is where, uh, let me see if I can refresh Project my recollection. Phoenix, real thing. <laughs> yeah, but on, on the Operation Midnight Climax, I mean, I just learned about this a couple of years ago. I was researching MKUltra and it got off on these other lesser known um, uh, projects and the CIA actually sent their guys into brothels in San Francisco and in um, uh, New York City, and they created brothels and they recruited prostitutes to work in them, and they tried using LSD. And unbeknownst to the male buyers, they would have these prostitutes be trained in CIA techniques, and they would try to get them honeypot style to divulge uh, their secrets after they'd unbeknownst to the men um, doped them with LSD and put them in a room with a prostitute, and then on the pillow afterward, could the could the prostitute who was trained by the CIA get him to divulge state secrets? Mm-hmm. It was an actual real thing. And they had one-way mirrors that the CIA agents would sit. Also, a lot of these guys were dosing themselves. They were sitting back there doing LSD, drinking and smoking and chewing the fat, and watching this whole thing go down through one-way mirrors. This was an actual CIA program. And uh, the church committee... Congressman Church actually put it all out there in 1976 or eight, somewhere in there when I was a kid, you were a kid. Um, and they actually got to the bottom of all this stuff that the CIA had been off the rails and doing for so many years. Mockingbird, same thing. They recruited journalists, yep. right, out of mainstream media, Time Magazine, um, uh, Alsop, uh, some of the, uh, hey, some of the big journalists of the day. 
And they recruited them into their ranks and said, we want to have a consistent narrative. And they were calling the shots on the narratives that were getting released through print and uh, broadcast TV journalism for decades. And Bush number one, Bush Mm -hmm. Sr. is on record in the 70s as saying, uh, I think in front of that same committee, oh, the CIA doesn't because we were paying for the privilege initially. The CIA doesn't pay to do that anymore. If you look at his actual quote, he said, we don't pay anymore. He didn't say we disbanded it. And all you have to do is go Google now and watch, you know, I have a clip that I play from the stage sometimes, 50 different broadcasters, New York City, Texas, Iowa, Malibu, Washington State, saying the same thing at the same time, 50 talking heads, not similar things, but I am talking word for word, the same script. You can't look at that and say, really, 50 newscasters from coast to coast in America decided telepathically to use the exact same words or their scriptwriters did? That is the controlled narrative even today. So these things, MKUltra, I mean, they were experimenting with mind control. They wanted to see if we could get the Russians or whoever our Cold War enemies were at the time to actually telepathically, they were trying to use, you know, remote viewing, the forerunner remote viewing. They were using frequency weapons, which was a new thing to me. I did a deep dive on that over the last 10 days. Oh my gosh. Like I am still in that rabbit hole. They were used and they were beaming microwave weapons. People, my husband's like, you have to be careful talking about this, which is why I had CNN doing most of my talking on stage yesterday at the Clay Clark event. But we had an astrophysicist, nuclear physicist. She worked for NASA. She worked for the U S Navy on special assignment. She did her first paper at UC Berkeley as an undergrad on nuclear fusion, went on to become an astrophysicist. She has PhDs. She worked for the Stanford Linear Accelerator Lab. She worked for Lawrence Livermore Lab. She, I mean, she was a professor. She has patents. I mean, this woman is as sane as they come, mm-hmm. okay? And she is on record as saying, we have identified basically very low-frequency electromagnetic uh, uh, fields that when you beam them in the Hertz range, they're measured in the Hertz bandwidth, yep. add another person, they can create Which, emotional Which, by the way, states. the 5G towers are capable of it. Exact, yeah. right. So, But this is her on record in the yeah. 60s and 70s before yep. you and I were even born. Mm-hmm. So 6.6 Hertz, that'll make you depressed. Mm-hmm. If they up it to 7.83, that'll make you feel high like you had five vodka shooters last night. If they go to 10.80, that's the genocide um, operation uh, Crimson Mist in Rwanda. That's the genocide wave. Now, are you going to have as much as much success beaming that at a praying Tibetan monk who, you know, they can set themselves on fire and not blink? Probably not as successful as aiming that at the Hutu and the Tutsis after they're already pissed off at each other for allegedly killing the president in 1994 Rwanda, okay, where after these C-130 Hercules planes went over the crowd that had been specially outfitted with a microwave dish and beamed these microwave weapons you know, at the exact right Hertz bandwidth at the crowd, suddenly it went from being pissed off at each other to being a genocide that killed a half million people in under a hundred days. But this is actually going on. We had CNN interviews. I didn't even know this where, um, Chuck Del Caro was the special correspondent and he's standing in front of, you know, Washington DC buildings. And they, this, this nuclear physicist I was talking about, put him in a little booth where he had blinders on, he had earmuffs on, couldn't hear, couldn't see. They had a a magnetic pole uh, two feet from his head and they were beaming microwave beams into his brain, carrying coded messages, shapes. And you hear him say, I just saw a parabola go by. And then they flip the camera toward the machine that was beaming it and you see the parabola shape. Okay, and now MIT is on record, you can Google this as well, saying a few years ago, we can have a laser and use coded messages that go in on a laser and make him hear a specific message 
but not the guy sitting next to him. And all of a sudden, I, I had to check myself. Doing this research, I'm like, maybe those paranoid schizophrenics screaming that people are beaming messages at them in the middle of the street. What if they were? Because it's, it is unequivocal now that I've done the research that we had the technology yep. dating back to before I was even on this planet. Yep. The Russians were way ahead of us. And that's what CNN correspondents were outing, outing in 1985. Hey, the Russians have been able to do this for years. They hit our Moscow, uh, our embassy in Moscow with microwave radiation. It was another CIA DARPA thing. They were like, why are our embassy workers sick? CIA moves into Moscow and they discovered that the Russians are hitting their embassy workers with microwave radiation. The ambassador died of leukemia-like blood disorder. They put monkeys in the building. The monkeys were like, oh yeah, we can get to the end of the maze. Then they put him in the building. The, The quote that I read was, it did not slow cognition down. It stopped it. Mm-hmm. There were stoppages was the word. The monkey couldn't think at all. Of course, the people in the building were having brain fog. The, what the Soviets, so Henry Kissinger sent a telegram mm-hmm. to the embassy workers 16 years later. For 16 years, they let them work in there and yeah. die and get sick. And they never told them what was going on, even when they figured it out. 16 years later, I'm four years old. It's now not 1960, it's 76. And he sends a telegram that's entitled Electromagnetic Radiation Dangers. And it says, beginning in 1960, the Soviet Union started aiming microwave beams at our Moscow in embassy. Uh, And the effects that they were intending to create on the personnel, they weren't trying to lift uh, state secrets from us. They were trying to create specific physiological changes in the personnel, including malaise, extreme irritability, and extreme fatigue. The Soviets thought that the effects would be temporary. Subsequently, we figured out they were not temporary, they were permanent, and they created such things as cataracts, uh, blood changes leading to heart attacks, malignancies, central nervous system disorders, and I'm forgetting what the fifth one was. Oh, and by the way, for kicks and giggles, half the time you can't even tell you were hit until 10 years later because that's when those things happened. That was in 1960, they knew that. And then what happened in Havana right after Trump was elected? Mm They hit the Havana embassy and the Chinese one. Same thing, the workers were sick. State Department sends down three three researchers, three MDs, and they had the specific, very specific cognitive neurological changes and 100% of the affected workers had balance disorders. They'd be in their hotel room, they were sick as dogs. They'd walk out in the street, they'd feel fine. Go back into the hotel or their house, sick as a dog. That's how they figured it out. I am telling you, and I am quoting astrophysicists and whistleblowers from the government that CNN was doing pieces on when I was 12 years old in 85. We have had this technology for so damn long and it is so scary because what they can do is they can beam this at your head and make you see something that is not actually happening in the physical universe, make you hear things that are not actually happening in the physical universe and create specific changes in your body that make you feel high, happy, or be in a genocidal rage. Yeah. Scary stuff. It's terrifying. Uh, I saw a video not uh, too long ago that was from the 60s that was by Anthony Sutton. And he was talking about uh, RCA Mm. and having that technology. Now, RCA then became Serco. Are you familiar with Serco? Serco is like a huge... uh, RCA was the the entertainment. It was, was, but it it was also like a, a telecoms. Mm, uh, communicator provider. Yeah. So, and then it got taken over by Serco, who is a, I think their headquarters are in the UK, but they're government contracting all over the world. Uh, largely, uh, the SES is, I think, one of their largest contractors. So they're very involved here. Now there's another company that actually, it looks like, has direct roots to MKUltra. 
and is uh, almost as large. I think they have what, like 34,000 employees and uh, it's Maximus Inc. And they're very involved in, uh, I, it looks like they have some sort of, well, we'll just say they have direct connections to the child protective services. Uh, they were also the infrastructure for Obamacare. Oh, wow. um, they Shocker. had the patents on, like, uh, you know, right after uh, 9-11, the airport security. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they ha- so there, there's some interesting ties there. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting that Anthony Sutton was talking about this. And it looks like I have to find the year, but based on the 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 television aesthetics, it looks like it was the 60s. And he was talking about that technology. Um, with Crazy. just radio. And then we also know Tavistock had a whole arm devoted, right? Like uh, Kentrell and the Rockefeller. Uh, Rockefeller was his uh, roommate at Dartmouth, Kentrell's roommate. And then he was the head of the Psychological Warfare Department. Yep. And Tavistock was doing all this race- research on it. It started with uh, radio, of course, uh, the War of the World, H.G. Wells, who was a member. Of, he was like one of the original um, authors who came to the, uh, when, um, it was a masterman who was the appointed to head the Wellington House when it first started, like the British mm. Propaganda Bureau, known as the Life Factory. And he invited like 25 authors to come, and H.G. Wells was one of them, to do, uh, unfortunately, one of my favorite poets, Rudyard Kipling, was also one of them. It was like my favorite all-time poem. And wow. uh, But yes, he was a propaganda agent uh, directly out of the Wellington House, became the, later the Tavistock Clinic and the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations. But, they, wow. but he did the War of the Worlds, and actually Kentrell knew the results of the research, um, and Rockefeller stalled it so that it couldn't be released for, I think it was three years. Wow. And then they later replicated this uh, research with television, but they started mm-hmm. with radio. So, Oh, yeah. yeah. And I mean, the, the blueprint for this whole narrative and PR thing, um, I, I may go back even earlier, but Hitler was the king of it, you know, at yeah. the end of World oh, it War II. It definitely goes back earlier, but Hitler... Yeah, it definitely yeah. does, but he really, he really fine-tuned it into a yeah. working machine. So. Totally. His minister of war at the end of um, the uh, the Holocaust was on record as saying, through technological innovation and the adoption of things that were relatively new at the time, like loudspeaker and radio, because on his PR minister's birthday, Goebbels' birthday, they had given radios to every single family in Germany because mm. they were being nice. <laughs> the oh, government's yes. never nice, right? <laughs> they were looking to brainwash you. So, but the, the exact quote was through the adoption of technological innovative means like radio and loudspeaker, eighty million people were deprived of independent thought. And and the Minister of War was like... 80 million? Yeah, 80 million people is how much they were able to reach with radio. And he had seven different sub-departments in his PR ministry under Joseph Goebbels. And it was like arts and cabaret was its own separate subdiv- subdivision. And it was right. government. And it was school relations. And it was press. I mean, he literally like had whole separate PR divisions for the arts, for the this, for the that, so they could just blanket everything. And these people were drowning. They were drowning in brainwashing cues and brainwashing signals that were coming through the radio, coming at them every time they turned around, when they'd go to the factory to go work, when they'd go to the town square at night, loudspeaker, loudspeaker, the Jews are our enemy, the Jews are our enemy, you know, 10 years later. And what we also know happens because they were socially distancing people. I mean, that's what the mm-hmm. you know Nazi and, and the Warsaw Ghetto and Crystal Knot and all that was about. But they were doing similar things in, in the German population. And when the CIA, I don't know if you know this, but in 1951, the forerunners to 
the military intelligence doctors who became part of the CIA. Mm-hmm. It was the, I forget what they call it, it was a division that was that morphed into the CIA a couple of years later. They had a secret meeting at the Ritz-Carlton in Montreal, and they invited the Canadian counterparts and the UK, British, you know, military counterparts. And they all sat in a room like this for a few days, and their sole goal was to figure out the most effective way to destroy a human being psychologically. And they commissioned all these studies for the next couple of years. And it was, hey, is physical torture going to do it? Is sleep deprivation going to do it? Is food deprivation, water deprivation, waterboarding, torture? Like, what is going to be the most effective way to break down a human being? And fast forward to the end of their research a couple of years later, and what it was, was social isolation and distancing. Of course. It was more effective at destroying somebody psychologically than even starving them to death or beating them to death. Um, That is how hardwired we are to be connected to one another. You deprive some, and McCain, think what you will about Senator McCain, he was held in isolation for many years on the ground as a POW in Vietnam, and he is on record coming back as saying, basically do anything you want to me, but to not separate me from my fellow man or my GIs, because it's so destructive. It actually takes out and it's super sinister when you think about the last few years and what they did to our kids in school. Yeah. It takes out the part of your brain that's responsible for learning. Right. Hello, they're in school, but now you've disabled the part <laughs> of their brain responsible for doing the thing they need to do in school, which is learning. It disables the ventral striatum, which is the part of your brain you use to learn, to make loving connections to other people. It is the basis of reward-oriented behavior, and it is the basis of decision-making. It destroys that piece of your brain. Medically, it's the same as smoking 15 cigarettes a day and being an alcoholic. So essentially what we were doing to our children for the last few years is something that the CIA knew back in the 50s was more effective at destroying humanity than anything else. You would have been better off giving your kid an ice pick to perform a frontal lobotomy and a pack and a half of cigs and a bottle of Jack Daniels on the way into second grade every day than actually letting them be socially isolated in a quarter of the room on their freaking, you know, home learning program through the school. With a mask. What with a mask? So we were anonymizing ourselves. Kate, what does every rape survivor say? Oh, I got out of it because I got the rapist to relate to me as a human being. So we know about masking. It takes away almost 90% of the feedback that we use as our brain to recognize you're a human being and not a podium or a piece of carpet. So it makes you anonymous, which makes it easier for people to commit atrocities against each other. We feed them a divided social narrative over the last three years, right? And and we're destroying the part of their brain that makes them human, essentially, and able to learn. And then when you destroy the ventral striatum, what the military said is it makes you perfect fodder for signal data. That's their code name for brainwashing cues. So we have taken America and the whole world, and we have turned ourselves into robots that can be way more easily brainwashed in the way that Nazi Germany was doing. Only now, I mean, before, right, they could only do it when you were within range of the radio in Hitler's Germany. Now, what are we in range of every second of the day? I have a picture of me and a sex slave that's in the damn book. I'm going to show it. Let me see if I can find it. And this is 2013. This is literally 10 years ago today. It's fall of 2013. She and I are in here and she's holding up in this picture I took with her. This is so cool. She has colored pictures in her book. Yeah, the color pictures doubled the pro- cost of my printing. If you see where my finger is pointing, that black thing in her hand, that's a cell phone. Sex slaves trapped 
in a brothel that was one of 140 child brothels on the Thailand-Malaysia border that, by the way, across the river, just for kicks and giggles, had radical jihadi terror training camps. So we had 330 bombs go off the first year I worked here. It was one bomb a day from the jihadis who were keeping their skills sharp for, you know, Israel right now. Anyway, literally even those girls, 10 years ago, every single one of them had a cell phone. And it's giving and receiving frequencies. And they can take over our mind using frequencies. We now know this. Check out my Clay Clark speech yesterday where I go through all this data. Or I'm probably going to do a segment on my own podcast because I've been inspired by the likes of Courtney to do my own, uh, which we'll be launching this month. So go to leedundas.com if you want to buy my book. Um, Or uh, you can sign up to hear my upcoming podcast. And by the way, my mom made my life very hard by giving me a beautiful spelling to my name that has five letters in it, not three. It's L-E-I-G-H-D-U-N-D-A-S.com. Um, and you can buy it on Amazon, but I literally uh, make negative 10 cents and I've had no paycheck for 42 months fighting for everybody's freedom. So uh, do me the honor of buying it if you would at my website, if you can spare that extra $10 and defund the, the big guys who are trying to kill us, the Amazons of the world, um, and instead refund the people who are doing good work like you, like me, and let us you know try to pay our rent every month with the $10 we make on the sale of our books. But uh, there you have it. Yeah, I have color photos in there because I really wanted to take even the people who are too scared to roll with Navy SEALs into brothel towns that go boom every day, I wanted to be able to have it feel like they were there so they would understand through the power of the written word um, what goes on because it's once you understand it at a visceral level that you are inspired to act. And that is what we need. We need active Americans, active world citizens who are not just fighting for freedom generically right now, uh, keeping our First Amendment rights, our Second Amendment, keeping communists out of America, communism out of America, but also uh, making sure children aren't enslaved, uh, like actually enslaved in brothels. That's another piece of that fight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you you outlined so much. Thank you so much for all of that. But I am curious to go just to circle back to that first question about uh, the CIA. Also, before I forget, if you do remember the name of the entity that that what got absorbed into the CIA, definitely send it to me. Um, yeah, I'm so I'm curious if it was part of the OSS, at, but and then it or was it as completely something completely? I don't feel separate? like it was that. I okay. can't remember, but I have my notes. I give okay. a, I give a number of speeches about it early on when I was really trying to wake people up to the yeah. to how bad masking and distancing were, particularly in the schools. You know, I, I lit up every school district in California and our, <laughs> and our school superintendent at the state level, and they didn't care. I'm like, this is Nazi Germany era torture techniques. Like, literally, the UN prohibits more than 15 days of isolation uh, for prisoners, saying it's cruel and inhumane um, treatment. And yet we're doing to our children what, you know, PETA would have fried us for if we masked our dog and kept him in a little cubicle five years ago. We would have we would have done hard time in jail. They would have arrested us for animal cruelty. And PETA would have been, you know, outside our hotel room. And now, now it's just, it's just, you know, what we do to the to the children who deserve a lot better. So yeah. word of the wise, don't let it be what you do to your child. Don't ever yeah. let them do that to your child. It is, it is frightening. It shrinks their brain. It it creates a brain that is functionally operating like it has Alzheimer's. It creates organic brain changes. They've done brain scans against Serbian POWs. And what they see on the MRI scans is the same as what they see for prisoners who have been, um, or war victims or people who've been socially isolated. Yeah, And and the masking, there's a woman by the name of Dr. Brisson, B-R-I-S-S-O-N, and it's hyphenated with another last name. She's in Europe 
And she, she's an MD and a PhD and a this and a that. And she studies oxygen and its effects on the brain. You have to go to DuckDuckGo now to find her work. You can't find it on Google. You could in 2020, but not now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is, her quote is basically, um, when you deprive a person of oxygen by way of a mask, it is a criminal thing to do because when you take the mask off and the oxygen returns to normal, you have actually killed parts of their brain. And uh, in the hippocampus, you've killed neural connections in the hippocampus and the hippocampus itself. And the brain never actually goes back to the way it was, even when full oxygen is restored. So this whole thing that I've heard a lot of moms say like, well, I only masked, I only masked my kid when I flew or I only, they were only masked, you know, just, just walking into school and walking out just for the cameras. But once they were in school, the preschool teacher would let them take it off. Yeah. Well, guess what? Even three minutes was killing part of your kid's brain and it never regenerates. Yeah. I, I remember that so well in 2020. I was, I mean, I just instinctively knew it was oh, yeah. horrible. And it was horrible. I, and then I started posting articles and the amount of people arguing me, they were like, well, you can say you don't like it, but just say that it does harm. Like, no, it obviously does harm. It obviously it, I mean, does. It, you don't need a, a medical journal to tell you that. It's right. blatantly obvious. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, and now we've got studies out. I mean, I was here in Florida at the second event Clay did, which was, July, I think, of 21. So it's been over two mm-hmm. years now. Yes. In and Tampa. the Gainesville study on masking had just been released, and we were in Tampa together, yep. yes. And I stood there, and I'm like, check out this Gainesville study. They put little kids in clean masks, out of the wrapper masks, on their way into school. Now, granted, we are in the tropics, and there's more yep. mold viruses and or mold spores in the air. Clean masks, eight hours. Then they sent them off to the lab with mass spectrometry, whatever, and, and they analyzed what was growing on the mask after just eight hours at school, mm-hmm. one day. One day, in a clean mask at the start. They had superbugs. They had superviruses. They had strep. They had staph. They had a, a, more than a third or two-thirds of which was, I think, antibiotic-resistant strains of strep and staph and TB. and Just nasty and mold and fungi. And I mean, literally, I stood on stage and I was like, if you would not let your kid lick the toilet at LAX on a layover on your way to Europe, you would be better off letting them do that probably, lick the urinal, than putting a mask on their face. Like, this is how bad it is. Yeah. This is how bad it is. For all those people who are like, well, it's only a few hours. No, no, it's not a few hours. Yeah. Few hours. Yeah. And your kid could die. I had a mom call me, Jessica in Savannah Lay. Uh, Kate Brown up in Oregon made a mask. She, her daughter played basketball two hours, couldn't breathe. She had told her kid the night before, don't wear a mask at basketball practice. It's like the mother knew. Right. And so she gets this call the next day and she thought her kid, it was from her kid's school. She sees the caller ID and she's like, oh good, school's calling to tell me that my daughter was, um, you know, non-compliant. No, the school was calling to tell her that mid-basketball practice in a mask, her little daughter had gone up to the coach and said, I can't breathe, can I take it off? And he said, no. And then he relented and said, well, you can go into the locker room so nobody sees you taking it off because we got a virtue signal, right? So she doesn't make it all the way in. She passes out at the threshold under the cold tile floor. She's out for two minutes. Her friend comes out of a toilet stall, thank God, sees her looking dead, lifts the, the girl's face up to the mirror. She cannot fog the mirror. There's no respiration. There's no pulse. There's no heartbeat. The girl is clinically dead. Seven and a half minutes go by with every damn coach in the building now on their flipping knees doing CPR, trying to revive the girl to no avail. First responder is a cop who has a Narcan unit in his car, 
pulls the Narcan unit, that's what they use to revive people who go down on opium on heroin, pulls the Narcan unit, hits the girl with the Narcan unit, even though she's not a heroin overdose. That brings her back for whatever reason. She dies again in the back of the bus on the way to the hospital. They revive her for a freaking second time at the ER room, do all sorts of tests. The doctor walks out eight hours later at midnight and says to the mom, ma'am, there was nothing wrong with your child. She was in perfect physical health, except that you deprived her heart of oxygen for too long because of the mask mandate. Thank you, Kate Brown. Thank you, Governor Newsom. Thank you, Whitmer. Thank you, Cuomo. And your kid died, but I can't go on record saying that. So don't tell me that it was just for two hours because that could have been the golden hour. That could have been the wrong two hours. That could have been the difference between your kids surviving and actually dying. Okay, that was, by the way, the third kid in freaking Oregon to go down. The week before, they'd had the 800-meter girl who was running, and as her chest broke the, broke the wire, she passed out also from lack of oxygen, okay? And she woke up and was like, well, thank God I passed out the finish line and I still won. And they'd had a third grader in the outfield playing, I don't know, shortstop who'd gone down as well on the, on the playground in elementary school. And, you know, all that needs to happen to change this before, this, before we go into round two here, I'm talking to the cops and the prosecutors and the parents, okay? This happens in your town. You go to a red state, red county, red city cop, and you have them arrest the guy who made the order and followed the order. If I had been a prosecutor in Oregon and I had heard this happen and it was in my territory, I would have arrested the school principal. I would have arrested all the coaches involved. I would have arrested the county health director who signed off on the mask order. I would have arrested the state superintendent of schools. I would have arrested the state health officer who signed off. And damn straight, I would have walked into the state capitol and arrested Kate Brown in cuffs and said, you are the reason this child died and was brought back. And by the way, that is manslaughter in most jurisdictions. That is man too. If you take an action as a drunk, if you're a repeat alcoholic and you've already been arrested for drunk driving twice and you wake up and you down a fifth of Jack Daniels and you get in your car and you drive down the street and you're so drunk that you jump the sidewalk and plow into a preschool yard full of three-year-olds, which actually happened to my secretary's son, by the way, um, in the 90s, back when I was practicing in Newport Beach, and you mow down a few kids and they don't survive, guess what? Guess what? That's that's a murder charge, okay? It's not intentional murder. It's not first degree. You didn't plan it out. But the way the law reads in most jurisdictions is it was foreseeable that you were acting so recklessly that a consequence of your actions would have been death. So you may as well have planned it out. It's mur- It's a murder charge It's or a manslaughter charge, lower degree in right. most jurisdictions. But why we are not arresting yeah. for assault, for physical abuse, the people who made these things yeah. that hurt people, why we aren't arresting the Fauci's of the world for fraud, for false advertising is beyond me. Um, you can't always arrest them for false advertising. Sometimes it's a civil suit. But when you do this, you start to get, if you if you can find a criminal law hook, right. you get a lot more traction than suing them civilly. They go, oh, another lawsuit. Well, my lawyers will handle it. And if I end up paying money at the end of the day, oh, no worries. Or my malpracticing carrier will swing in or, or my insurance for the county or the state or, you know, my this or that. The insurance will pay out. You say what you did amounted to a criminal law violation. The way I got traction in Orange County, and I know this has been a monologue and I'm going to stop. Mm-hmm. They were going to vaccinate kids on our campus in Orange County without even telling the parents in the spring of 21. Not using the campuses to disseminate the vaccine. I'm talking using the schools to disseminate the vaccine, but not even asking for informed consent or yep. telling you after they did it. Can you imagine little Johnny, five years old, nurse Ratchet comes up, hey, little Johnny, want a pink donut? 
Come, come follow me for a pink toenail. Johnny comes home. You don't know he's had the COVID vaccine. Now he has myocarditis and he dies playing soccer a month later. And you don't even know why, because you weren't even informed. So I got up there and I said, oh, um, that was the one that went really viral where I was wearing, I was wearing the, the fuzzy thing around my neck and I looked like I was about ready to pass out. It was so hot that day and they'd made us mask to get in. And I'm like, I'll, I'll have you be arrested for forcing me to wear a mask tomorrow, but I am not missing my microphone today. And I got on that mic and I'm like, the last people to do this were the Nazis. We aren't doing this in my county. And by the way, I did some research last night and it is a criminal law violation for yeah. failing to give informed consent in the state of California. So Dr. Maharis, who was the school superintendent in my county, and Dr. Clinton Chow, who was the health officer after I got our first health officer fired, yeah. um, you are on notice. You have not just violated international standards like the Nuremberg Code, but you have violated black letter federal law and as well state law, including criminal law violations yeah. for which you could go to jail or be fined $50,000 or both. Mm -hmm. When you can pull in a criminal law violation, the pucker factor goes way high and they yep. usually drop it like a hot rock. We need to name and shame these. Lawsuits and legislation are great, except they're not working right now in the blue states. Name and shame. Put this on blast, what they're doing, and have the and time. And it's a, it's a record that stays with them. That's right. So it tarnishes their reputation, which is, I, I think, so. why it's effective. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because all they care about is getting reelected. And if they can't, because they look like the horse's ass that they actually are, because <laughs> right. you're making a TV ad blasting into the masses, or you're doing pressers like this blasting into the masses. Or they have a criminal record. Or, or they end up with a criminal record. Accusations, even. Yep. You know, this is the way to get stuff done in modern America, which is less like the America of old and right. more like a communist country. This is how you have to roll. You have to name and shame. You have yeah. to. Yeah. No, you absolutely do. I couldn't agree more. Um, so I have two more questions, and then we can wrap it up. Okay, yeah, because I'm sorry. Okay. I was like looking at my phone no, no, earlier because no. my husband's like, should I call a neighbor? And I'm like, I'm almost done. <laughs> yes, two more questions. So uh, one, just to circle back to you, when uh, we were ask, I was asking you about the the boys who are trafficked, and do you oh, think yes. that there is uh, some sort of you know blackmail, trauma based mind control involved in those? Aspects? Yes, for boys okay. and girls. Yeah. Um, I've met oh. survivors of both. It is very clear to me. Um, and as well, police departments are, you know, law enforcement will bust in on these things that sound too incredible to be true, yeah. but where a f massive physical or, and or sexual abuse is being used to basically wear down the humans or the kid, mm -hmm. their defenses so that they become, again, ventral striatum is now dead, right? Yep. And they become more easily suggestible yeah. to hypnotic commands, to bad ideas, to apparently frequency waves, which I just discovered, you know, this week. And um, all of these things are a perfect storm. You know, you've got a kid who's now isolated, they're traumatized. Instead of giving them loving messages, you're filling their mind with hate and rage. And maybe you're doing it as well through encoded messaging in microwave radiation beams that the Nazis and Soviets and communists and fascists and our own government have been on record as experimenting, experimenting with. The Chuck Del Caro episode at the end of the CNN one in 85, he went through the fact that they had Nazi documents and they actually show the Nazi, or not the Nazi, the um, Navy documents where he's like, the U.S. Department of Navy is on record saying they experimented on this and it was successful, but they decided it would be unethical to implement. Of course they stopped all this research after they figured out it worked. Of course they did. <laughs> because now they can weaponize it and they don't need to continue the research. Even if you believed our government were only acting on the side of God and truth. Yeah. If, the, if, if Moscow during the Cold War were coming for us using microwave radiation and the ability to mind control and ruin the physical health and the minds of our embassy workers and by extension all of us, do you really think the Navy would have dropped the program if for no other reason 
I think they would have continued it to figure out the defensive capabilities against right. what was being deployed against our embassy workers. Right. Even I would have been hard-pressed to say, no, we're just going to not touch the subject area now that we're being victimized by it. It defies credulity to think that our guys figured it out late, that we came late to the Soviet party on mind control with these weapons, and we're like, oh, and we figured out that it works. We figured out that they're doing it to us. Operation Woodpecker. They oh, yeah. were beaming waves through the grid to us from the Soviets were for two decades until, I don't know, in the 80s, I think it stopped when the wall fell and everything, yeah. that were coming up. And this is on record, astrophysicists, CNN reporting on it. This is not Lee Dundas before you say, oh, QAnon crazy girl. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm a normal lawyer. Got into Yale Law School, 17. Anyway, coming up through our power grid into every home. And the frequency they were using was a tranquilizing one. And yeah. it's this a known secret. It's, yeah. it's a lesser known secret, but a known secret. I am not a fan of any of this, but I know our government, and I am telling you, they would have continued the research if for no other reason to make sure that we could defend against. You can't defend against what you don't know. Right. Okay? And so, I mean, as horrifying as it is, this game we're now in with mind control and children being victimized worldwide through human trafficking, yep. and often by our governments, the Nazis experimented on kids, guess what? So did the CIA. Yep. Okay? Again, this is indisputable at this point. Church committee hearings in the 70s where Congress was investigating the wrongs the CIA had perpetrated in the name of research, okay? So much stuff was done that is wrong, but it doesn't serve us to pretend it didn't happen. No. We need to no. recognize it happened. We need to understand what happened so we don't repeat history and so that we can also get out in front of whatever the hell is coming down the pike next, which I think will be frequency-based, and I think it will be... Um, narrative-based because they know they can brainwash people so easily. Yeah. You know, COVID and, uh, was a... If they can do a combination of the two, even better, right? Perfect storm. Perfect, perfect storm. storm. You know, and we flunked during COVID. Not we, right, right. but and not your listeners but probably. Yeah. But the masses flunked. Oh, here's a scary virus. Really? We had less of a death rate that year than we did in most normal years. Really? No excess death rate? How fatal was COVID? Okay, even if there was a COVID, even if it was fatal. Uh, we had fewer people dying worldwide that year than we did in a bad flu year in any of the prior succeeding or preceding 10 years. So here we are with a non-fatal thing and through a little fear porn broadcast 24-7 through CNN, just like the Nazis did through their radios, right, in World yeah. War II, we got 90% of the population to bow down and buy off on it. Mm-hmm. You know, we flunked, and we need to do better this time. And, I, and the good news is we are. So I want to yeah. leave this on a happy note. 90% yeah, of CNN thing. watchers are no longer watching CNN. They're watching people like you, okay? 42% of self-identified Democrats are no longer watching Democrat channels. They're watching Tucker and Hannity. And that was as of 18 months ago. Clay Clark told me that stat. It's an actual stat. It's like an actual verifiable statistic. The, right. the marketing companies say, oh, they're losing viewers. Yeah, they are. Because right. they keep pushing like... Target and Bud Light ads. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, people are waking up. People are doing better. And I'm so grateful to platforms like these because we are the new media. Yes. We're getting the truth out. Um, and that is how people do better. When you know more, you do better. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the name of the game. No more. You can't more find an enemy you don't know. Right? right. So education is the new weapon that you deploy. Be yeah. informed. And that way you can keep your family safe and you can make better decisions. And don't be afraid to name and shame. Don't be afraid to ask a bully who's a Republican to bully your Democrat leader who's a bully. I mean, that's what I did here in uh, Florida last year. They were going to hold the Special Olympics in Tampa. And then they said the kids didn't need to be COVID vaccinated. And then they changed their mind right before the games. 
And I wrote a nasty gram to the head of the Special Olympics and the <laughs> witch was such a demon. She just doubled down and kicked the SoCal team off the, as response. She just revenged right. on the poor SoCal team. And the dad was like, Lee, I thought you were going to help us. This is getting worse. I'm like, hold on, hold up. <laughs> Here's Tucker's phone number and everybody else who's a podcaster I know. Go go talk about it. Fry him on the airwaves yep. this week. Name and shame. Give me a minute. I ended up, Bobby Kennedy, had he didn't have DeSantis' number. He had Latipo's, the Surgeon General here. But I got it onto the the radar of Latipo and DeSantis. And they tried to get the Special Olympics to, to come to reason. And they right. didn't. So a day and a half before the games, a bigger bully, DeSantis, mm-hmm. slapped the Special Olympics with a $27.5 million fine. And that only made the lady take about an hour before she walked it back at that point. Right. Bully, your bully. It works. Yeah. Uh, last question. I'll, I'll let yeah. you go. Um, so you were saying that, you know, the communist countries and now, of course, we are moving in that direction. Yeah. So uh, it's my opinion that it is not just, uh, you know, our federal apparatus and acting on the, you know, states and local. I think this is coming from an alliance with a movement towards a global apparatus, right? Yeah. And they're getting it. That's why we have a uniparty because they yep. are getting the messages from above. Of course, a lot of that apparatus, in my speech, I talked about the triple MIC, uh, right? You know, the military industrial complex, complex. the medical industrial complex, yeah. and the media industrial complex. So I think yeah. work at the behest of this uh, they do. larger. So what is uh, your thoughts, since that is kind of a worldwide apparatus that is very much infiltrating through our uh, systems, what do you think, uh, how far gone are we and how can, what are the chances that we can stop this and restore, you know, of course the constitution would be great, but I really believe that it's the Bill of Rights because the Bill of Rights is the only document, I, I believe worldwide, that really stipulates that we are endowed with inalienable rights from our creator. And that is what, so it's not the government there to uh, give us privileges or grant us rights. It is to just protect what we have. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think we're pretty far gone, and um, I think we're going to win anyway. And the reason for that is because, um, twofold, we have always had dark times in history. I mean, every decade or two, we get another big one, right? There was, mm-hmm. the, you know, World War One, World War II, the Holocaust, and then there was one in genocide, and it was Cambodia. I mean, we slip in and out. It's a little more dangerous now because it's not a region yeah. and a ruler. It is lockstep worldwide. Yeah. We've got the military. We've got big government, big tech. We've got big pharma all moving together on this whole plan. Sure. But I believe that only a few percent of the population are actually evil and crazy. I think most of us, 70, 80, maybe, maybe north of that on a good day, percent mm-hmm. of the average people out mm-hmm. there are normal, God-fearing, loving you know, humanity inspired, you know, would do the good thing versus the wrong thing if you gave them a choice nine days a week, right? right. So um, the question is just how long is it going to take for those people to get involved? Eventually, after the Holocaust was, it went on way too long, but eventually good swung against evil and put it to bed. Well, there was Operation Paperclip, but right, right. <laughs> largely put it to bed for another few decades, right? Yeah. And I think the same thing will At happen At least went here. underground, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? And, and we had a golden era for a while. And I think that that is going to happen here. I think the reason we're facing another Holocaust is we didn't fully learn the lesson the first time. We allowed FTR and Churchill to ride to the rescue instead of the people themselves riding right. to the rescue. So we are the heroes we've been waiting for. I think societally, yes. the lesson we are put here to learn this time is we have the power. Um, but make no mistake, we do. Margaret Mead said, 
never doubt that, um, you know, so I, I mean, it's like one a few good, yeah, yeah, never doubt that a few good people can change the world, a small group of concerned citizens. Yes. Is, never doubt a small group of concerned citizens can change the world. And for in indeed, fact, they are the only ones. They are the only had. ones who ever did. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to get there. We're going to give this planet to our children in better shape than we found it in. Um, the only question really is how long is it going to take? And I'm impatient and you should be as well because yeah. the name of the game is shortening the carnage. Yes, okay. There exactly. will be carnage. There has been carnage. This was a genocide. The people yes. who took the vax, God help them. They're the only, he's the only one who can. Genocide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that is also waking up the masses because the people who didn't die from their shots are like, oh, I'm not doing that again because I don't feel so good after the first one or two or three or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the word is getting out. The evil is starting to hit the light of day. Good people are waking up and uh, we just need to fight our corner. And if we all do that and we together just stand up and say no, and it doesn't, I say fight our corner. It's, I don't mean violently. I mean yeah. using our first amendment rights. Yes. And never forgetting that we have a second amendment too. To defend that First Amendment. Yeah, but it's way easier, having been in third world countries during coup d'etats, I was on the ground in Thailand during 2014, it's way easier when you fight the good fight earlier, when you use your voice yep. and your Gandhi, your Martin Luther King Jr. moments to just belly up to the bar and say, I'm black and I'm not moving. I'm going to sit at the front of the bus. I'm going to sit at this lunch counter, okay? And I'm just not moving. I'm standing in my truth. You don't have to be violent about it, Okay. You can just stand in your truth and say, we ain't doing this. We're not masking the kid. We're not not going to school. Mm -hmm. Bankrupt the back of the people who are acting evilly. They're masking you. They're doing whatever at a business, at a job, at a whatever. Walk away. And don't yep. tell me. Don't tell me you had to take the shot because your husband would lose the job or you would lose your job. Okay? Yeah, Do not tell me you were forced to. Because in this book, I tell the story of a girl who actually had a gun to her head. They were about to execute this sex slave. And she stood up and said, give me your gun. I'll shoot myself. I don't want to live like this anymore. You always have a you choice. always have a choice. That's right. Always. Okay. Even if that choice is simply how you die. But it is way easier if you start fighting before you get in that position. And so I have not had a paycheck in 42 months, nor has my husband. I had lots of money in the bank. I was getting ready to pay off my house at the beginning of COVID, and I have no money. I had more money in the bank as a 16-year-old than I do now. So don't tell me that you're going to be missing mortgage payments and your kid couldn't go to club volleyball. I know I've lived it. I threw everything I had and even money I didn't have into this fight because I understood this was life and death. And as soon as you understand that too, you will be better off mobilizing what possessions and resources you do have yes. to the fight. Because if we all do that now together, the fight goes away. Bill Gates and Soros are two people, Okay and Fauci, and whatever, and they're just puppets. There's a few people pushing this bad plan. There's gajillions, billions of people worldwide who don't want this plan. Right. If we all just stand up and say no, like Margaret Mead said, and do what Martin Luther King Jr. said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So you fight injustice wherever you find it, big or small. If we all just did that like we breathe air, like we take our cell phone in our back pocket every day, we will be done. But I believe not only that we will win, but that we already are winning. So keep up the good work. I know I'm preaching to the choir. The people watching you are already doing that. <laughs> if you want to support my work, yes, freedomfighternation.org. It's tax deductible. It helps fund the freedom fight. Freedomfighternation.org. Or minimally, 
Get yourself a book that will teach you how to fight the freedom fight and inspire you. Hopefully, okay, it's upside down. <laughs> it is called Just Stand Up, My Fight for Freedom from the Brothels of Asia to the Streets of America. There's really cool photos in the middle. And even my 18-year-old said, Mom, it was enjoyable reading. And you know, kids, they don't ever give you praise ever, ever, ever at that age. So hopefully you'll enjoy it if the 18-year-old child did. Um, and thank you again for having me today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here and for all that you're doing. I'm so, so grateful for you yeah. and all the work that you do and the sacrifices Ditto. that you've made. It makes such a difference and it's so inspiring. So thank you all for watching. As thank you guys for watching this Sunday. Thanks for having me until we all meet again. Yeah. <laughs>